Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, September 2nd, 2021. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be talking about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm a senior writer at SlashFilm.com, and I am joined on today's show by Slash Film senior writer and chief film critic, Chris Evangelista. Oh, hello. All right, Chris. So let's talk about some news. We have done some uh, mini water coolers recently. Brad and I did a what if episodes. We haven't talked about the news in a little while. So I wanted to run through a couple of the highlights that have happened over the past several days. Probably the biggest and most consequential is that Paramount has decided to shift a bunch of movie release dates. And I wonder if you can tell me about that. Maybe you don't have to get into like it moved from this specific date to this right. specific date, because I feel like as a listener, when I hear stuff like that, my my yeah. brain sort of like fogs over. Uh, but just like generally speaking, what's what's happened over there at Paramount? Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it's 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 funny, quote unquote, to think about this, but a few weeks ago, it really seemed like, uh, you know, COVID was slowly coming under control. The vaccine rollout was going well and numbers were down and everyone was like, all right, we're going to beat this thing. And studios were like, all right, we can start releasing things on the big screen again. And then uh, two things happened. One is the the Delta variant, which is like a, you know, a stronger strain of COVID or whatever you want to call it. And then two, uh, there's a bunch of assholes who just are like, I'm not getting a vaccine. I'm not wearing a mask. I want everyone else to suffer because I am a jerk. So because of this, things aren't looking as great as they could be. And studios are reading the writing on the wall. And Paramount just went ahead and shuffled a ton, not a ton, three big movies that were on the way. So uh, Top Gun Maverick is now going to come out in May, uh, on May 27th, 2022. That was really supposed to come out in November of this year. Uh, Mission Impossible 7 uh, has been moved from May 2022 to September 2022. And Jackass Forever, which was going to come out next month, is now coming out February 4th, 2022. Well, that's, I mean, depressing, but inevitable in some ways. And it seems like probably the right move. What do you, what do you think about that, Chris? Are you sort of like, uh, I mean, yeah, I can't, you know, I can't fault the studios for playing it safe, 
But at the same time, I and I know I'm going to get guff from this from some people, but I really think it's time for literally everyone to reevaluate what movies are. I know people are like, we need movie theaters to survive. And I want movie theaters to survive. I don't want them all to go out of business, but I honestly think it's silly to keep being like, all right, we're just going to push it back again. And all right, we're going to push it back again. Like, especially Paramount who, who literally have their own <laughs> streaming service right now. They can <laughs> easily just put, maybe not all these, but I feel like Jackass Forever is something that you don't need to see in theaters. I'm sure people will disagree with me, but I feel like you could easily put that on Paramount Plus right now. And that would, for one thing, it would probably boost Paramount Plus subscriptions because I don't know how many people even subscribe to that right now. Yeah. But, you know, I know that's a controversial thing and I know people don't like to say that. They, they you know, there's people in this industry who are just like, no, everything has to be theatrical first and don't you suggest anything else. And, I just, you know, I feel like there was a time where that made sense, but I think we're really well beyond that time now. Yeah, I just like wonder, you know, I, I feel like I would have, you know, uh, pre-COVID, I would have thought that as well, um, that that was the time that you're alluding to where that yeah. kind of thing made sense. And, and now I'm just, I'm wondering, you know, to what end, like at, at what point do... Um, the studios finally decide, okay, this industry needs to change in a permanent way, or are they just riding it out and riding it out? Like, do, do you ride it out until you die as a company or do you ride it out until a given point where, you know, there's a point of no return and you decide to fully make a transition into producing stuff only for streaming or, you know, only four movies a year are going to theaters regardless of what, COVID is doing in the country in 2023 or whatever the case may be. I don't know. I mean, there, there are people who are well above my pay grade making these decisions, but um, you know, when, when changes like this happen uh, yeah, it, it brings all of these questions to mind. I think it's also really funny that uh, not funny, but uh, amusing, whatever the word you want to use that uh, this happened right after CinemaCon, which was the, <laughs> the yeah. convention where all of the theater exhibitors and theater owners go and, you know, everybody's like celebrating the movies and everything's yeah. back, baby, big screen, all of that. And then like, you know, the studio just like, you know, a few days later just quietly changes all the stuff on the release date. So especially because Paramount had like a big presentation there for all the not all these movies, but they had like a presentation where they were talking about Top Gun and everything. And then like days later, they're like, yeah. never mind. It's yeah, just, it is funny, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah, uh, funny equals terrible. Yes. Um, all right, so let's talk about something that's that's not so terrible. Uh, a new Rocketeer movie is coming. I, I don't know about you, Chris. I'm a huge fan of the 1991 The Rocketeer oh, yeah. movie. Great movie. Wonderful um, movie. Yeah, great, great stuff. Uh, David Oyelowo is going to be producing and possibly starring in a new Rocketeer film called uh, the Return of the Rocketeer. And he and his wife and producing partner are going to be producing this. The story will focus on a retired Tuskegee airman who takes up the mantle of the Rocketeer. So I guess it's set in the same, you know, same universe and everything. I wonder if they'll be able to get Billy Campbell back. Uh, you know, he's, he's been, <laughs> he's done a lot more than just, um, than just play Cliff Secord in this, uh, in this, that original movie. He's, he's actually developed into a, a pretty good character actor, but um, I'm not sure like how in demand he is these days, but. Uh, yeah, it would, it would be cool to see him come back in, in some capacity. But um, yeah, what do you think about this this uh, log line here, the story, the the framing of this? Uh, that's a that's a really cool idea. I actually had I knew this was happening, but I didn't read the synopsis. And that's a that's just such a neat way to like expand 
the mythology of this because I mean the the original Rocketeer is all about you know a guy just accidentally becoming the Rocketeer like he finds the rocket pack mm-hmm. and I kind of love this idea of if there were like a series of sequel like every time like the new one is like someone else just finds the rocket pack and becomes yeah. the Rocketeer like you could yeah. do something cool with that yeah for sure um the what why can I not think of his name Terry O'Quinn he played uh uh, how he was in the yeah. movie and and he was very good and i wonder i mean he's still around and kicking and and doing well so uh it would be cool to see howard hughes still maybe you know play a, a supporting role in this universe he could especially be like, because it could be like the, the older crazier howard hughes now where he's like <laughs> yes he's, he's like doesn't want to touch anything and he's like <laughs> just a germaphobe that'd be amazing I would yeah peeing in bottles in a disney <laughs> plus show <laughs> or a disney plus movie or something yeah um i actually don't know if this is going directly to disney plus or if this is going to be oh yeah it does say disney plus okay so that that makes sense so let's talk about something decidedly darker which is a new texas chainsaw massacre movie uh chris tell me the latest with that one yeah so this texas chainsaw massacre movie we knew this was happening we knew it was being made uh and apparently i guess it's finished now i don't know if it's like finished or not but uh we now know it's going right to netflix it was originally going to be a theatrical release and uh, last year they they released like a teaser poster that said it was coming out this year, but we hadn't heard anything about when it was coming out this year. And now we just learned it's going right to Netflix. So I don't know if that means it's going to come out on Netflix this year. I could easily see it coming out like around Halloween because that would be perfect for it. But yeah, we don't really have a date yet. We just know it's going right to uh, Netflix. So um, I think we've talked about this maybe in the past when this project was first brought up, but there are several Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. And where does this one fall in the grand mythology of that whole franchise? Man, so the continuity is, is all over the place with this one. But this is this is taking like the Halloween 2019 approach where it's going to be a direct sequel to the first movie. And they're just kind of basically ignore all the other sequels and it's going to be like Leatherface is like older now, but he's still around and he's still killing people. So you, you know, you, if you've only seen the first movie, you'll be fine. You don't need to see any of the others. That's perfect for me. Cause I literally <laughs> just watched the first movie for yeah. the first time, like a couple months ago or a month uh, ago yeah. or whatever. So, uh, all right, great. Um, well, what do you think about it, it going to Netflix, Chris? Like the, you know, Netflix does not strike me as the home of, uh, I mean, I know they've had their sort of, um, home spun like uh whatever you want to call it homegrown horror franchises uh with fear street and things like that but it does not strike me as a um you know a, a haven for horror movies that seems like something that shutter, shutter would be yeah. um so what do you think about a, a potentially big movie like this sort of being sold off to netflix i think it makes sense i mean shutter probably would be a better fit but i feel like netflix has more money than shutter like shutter mm-hmm. isn't like the and i feel like this like even though everyone knows what the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is, I don't think it's as big of a franchise as Halloween. Like it makes sense to make a new Halloween movie and have that be theatrical, but Texas Chainsaw, you know, they've always been, you know, these sort of lower budgeted sort of schlocky B horror movies. So I think it does kind of make more sense for something like that to go to Netflix because I can't imagine, you know, when Halloween 2019 
2019 came out. That was a big hit because, you know, it was like, oh, we're bringing back Jamie Lee Curtis. And it's the first Halloween movie in a long time and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. They've been making Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies off and on, like nonstop, pretty much. There was one pretty much recently called like Leatherface. It was like a prequel where he was a kid or something. I didn't see it. (laughs) So and like no one even bothered to friggin see that. So I feel like it, it really does make more sense for something like this to just go right to Netflix. Okay. All right. Well, speaking of uh, one Netflix property, let's talk about another one, which is Red Notice. The trailer for this movie came out. This is, I think, the most expensive original Netflix movie. The budget's like around 200 plus million dollars or something, I think was the last that I saw. Uh, Dwayne Johnson, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot star in this movie. And the basic premise is uh, Dwayne Johnson plays an FBI profiler who is trying to track down the world's greatest um, con man who is played by Ryan Reynolds and the world's greatest art thief who is played by Gal Gadot. Uh, the trailer for this came out and I'm curious what you think about this, Chris, because I know we've had conversations in the past on this podcast about Dwayne Johnson and his choices and sort of wishing that he would make better movies overall. Do you think Red Notice might be one of those better movies or do you think this is going to be, you know, Skyscraper all over again? Uh, I don't, isn't it like the same director as Skyscraper actually? <laughs> it is, yes. So yeah. Um, <laughs> Look, I, I'll check it out when it, it whenever it drops on Netflix. But man, I don't know. Like, I I don't dislike any of these people, but I gotta say, I don't know about you, Ben, but I'm getting kind of tired of Ryan Reynolds's shtick, where he's basically just Deadpool in every movie. Like mm-hmm. he's he feels like he's like Bugs Bunny in every. He, he seems like no matter what the movie is, no matter what the tone of the movie is. He always seems like he's seconds away from like looking at the camera and being like, ain't I a stinker? And then he like (laughs) chews on a carrot. Like even like that movie life, which is like a fairly serious horror movie. I don't know if you've seen that. I did. Even in that movie, he's doing his like shtick and it's like, Jesus Christ, Ryan Reynolds, dial it down. Like, you know, I'm not saying he has to do like completely different, you know, he doesn't do like a movie set during the Holocaust or something like that. Like, but you know, I feel like Keanu Reeves, he's not an actor who has range, but he's an actor who knows how to play things differently. He's, you know, he can be on different levels and Ryan Reynolds, he doesn't have range either, but he's always doing the same goddamn thing. And I, yeah. it's, it's just, it's kind of exhausting. It's like, and I'm sure he's a really nice guy. He seems like a nice guy. I don't have anything against Ryan Reynolds, but it's like, I'm just kind of tired of him just being the same thing over and over again. I haven't seen free guy yet, so maybe he's better in that, but it seems like another instance where he's doing the the same kind of thing. Um, I'm curious, Chris, have you ever seen a movie called the nines that came out in 2007 that starred Ryan Reynolds? No, I I saw the poster. I never saw the movie. Uh, I watched it. I think maybe when I was like a very early slash film reader, I want to say Peter wrote a blog post about it in 2007 or, or, you know, maybe 2008 or something right around the time that it came out. And I was just a reader of the site back then and and Peter turned me on to that movie and I watched it and was very very impressed by Ryan Reynolds in that movie. It's it's one of where one of the few movies in the past what 15 years where he does not do that shtick. Right. Um so I, I would recommend anybody who's who's sort of on Chris's wavelength there and, and mine as well, like just being you know a little fed up with that whole thing, go back and and check out the nines because it's an, an underseen movie for sure. Um I think Melissa McCarthy is in it and pl- she plays a, a really good supporting role if I if memory serves as well. Hmm. Um but yeah I mean Ryan Reynolds like he's shown that he can do different stuff like Adventureland, you know, he, he, that movie I think has him playing 
a bit more serious. I mean, he, he leans on that, that sort of a jokey persona a little bit, but it, that movie feels more dramatic than a lot of the stuff that he's done in the past I feel like five or six years, but I feel like he'd be a really good like villain. And so I think the problem is he's always playing heroes, but he's always like a smarmy hero. And I kind of think he should give like a bad guy role a try because I kind of think he could really sink his teeth into that. Yeah, that hmm, man. Now I'm I'm trying to like rack my brain of like who I would want to see Ryan Reynolds play a villain against like somebody who has. I feel like it would have to be somebody who has like the totally opposite energy as him. And I'm sort of blanking on on a name right now, but, um, but yeah, that would be, that would be really interesting. Um, okay. So let's talk finally about the moonfall trailer, uh, Roland Emmerich, the director of independence day and the day after tomorrow in 2012 is back with another disaster movie. Um, Chris, why don't you set up the, 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 um, the premise of moonfall such as it is. I know you're, you're probably wouldn't guess this from the title, but it's about the moon falling and the moon (laughs) is going to crash into earth. And so scientists or astronauts or whatever, it's basically, you know, it's Armageddon, but with the moon and I am so excited for this. You have no idea, Ben. I can't. And like, I'm not even being, not even like in the ironic way. I'm just, I'm in the mood for a big, dumb Roland Emmerich movie. And I, I like Roland Emmerich. I don't think he's a great filmmaker, but you know what you're getting when you watch a Roland Emmerich movie. And I I love watching him destroy things. And I can't wait for this. I can't wait for how silly it would be. Like, this is the first movie in a long time where I was like, I got to see that on the big screen. Like, not, like, not even like Dune. Like I can see that at home. I don't care. But I want to see Moonfall on like the biggest IMAX screen possible because I want to watch that Moonfall really big. Is there any way, Chris, that you can define what makes a a dumb movie like this um, a dumb uh, a, a dumb movie that you get excited about? Because like you you know that this is a dumb movie, and that, right. I, th- I think that is part of the appeal here. But what is what is the difference between something like this and then? I don't know. I can't think of an, a good example of uh, something that's also maybe in this genre that that you would just look and sort of roll your eyes at. I think it needs to it needs to take itself seriously, but not too seriously, if that makes sense. Because mm. the Roland Emmerich movies, as ridiculous as they may be, like that one, I, the, the day after tomorrow, where like everything freezes in a split second, which would never ever happen. But, and like 2012, which is another one where like California literally like explodes and like their cars flying. Everywhere. Yeah. Like John Cusack is driving a limo. Like yes. away. he's like racing an earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you watch that stuff and it's like, this is very serious, silly, but no one in the movie treats it like it's silly. They're all like, Oh, sh-. even like independence day. It's like, ah, crap. We get, you know, the world is ending. And like, you, you can have like a comic relief character. You can have a character who tells jokes like Will Smith is funny in independence day, but that is a quote unquote serious movie. And I feel like that's, that's the distinction. It has to take itself. It has to act like it's taking itself seriously without taking itself too seriously. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a good definition. There's, there's a part at the end of this trailer where it says, um, you know, that there's text on the screen that pops up uh, as, as often happens in trailers like this, where it comes up in little bursts and it says something like the moon and then like a bunch of shots will happen and then it'll be like, will come. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, please say home <laughs> because uh, Roland Emmerich just seems like the type of filmmaker that would like 
create some sort of insane mythology where the moon was born from planet earth somehow. And like this movie is about the moon trying to like return to the center of the planet and it doesn't care what it's, you know, what it's going to destroy to get there or something. Unfortunately, it just said the moon will come to us. So I don't know, fingers crossed that maybe that mythology is still built in there, but uh, the moon will come home is, um, (laughs) is really what I was hoping for there. But you know, Ben, I have to say that theory isn't completely wrong. There is a theory that, the moon was formed when earth uh, crashed into another planet and like pieces flew off and formed the moon. And I'm not kidding. That is really, yes. You know what? I guess I should have looked this up beforehand because I just assumed that that was idiotic, but I, you know what? I (laughs) very may well be true. There you go. Uh, Wow. Okay. Well, (laughs) leave it to Roland Emmerich to put me in my place. Uh, well done, sir. All right. Well, <laughs> I think that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode of Slash Home Daily. You can find more about all the stories that we mentioned on today's show at SlashHome.com, of course, and linked inside the show notes of this episode. Slash Home Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all of the popular podcast apps, and send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailback topics to us at peter at slashhelm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.